Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. With two ways to win and no rate. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com for details. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. And every Friday on the Sports Map Radio Network, I'm joined as always by Brandon Deutsch and Armani Buckets. How are we doing? I'm not doing too great. I mean, you guys know I've been bandwagoning the Steelers being a Bears Mitch Trubisky fan. And the experience is going horribly, honestly, because the one game that they won, they should have lost. They should be probably 0-3. And Mitch, I mean, yesterday was his best game, to be fair. And it, it wasn't good enough. I mean, it just was not good enough. He did throw a beautiful ball down the sideline to Deontay Johnson in the fourth quarter, and it was 16-14 to when he threw that pass. They were down by two. If he catches that ball, maybe they win the game, but... This, this might be a hot take. I think some of it's play calling. As, good as, oh, as yeah. good as Mike Tomlin is as a coach, it's like they weren't allowing Mitch to throw the ball downfield until that last couple drives, right? They were kind of... They were being conservative with their offense, relying on their defense, which is what the Steelers usually do, and it's usually successful. But once they got down by a touchdown and a half, then it was like, okay, Mitch actually threw some really good balls downfield. You know, so it, it wasn't entirely his fault. But I'm just happy. <laughs> I bet I thought it was free money to bet the 55 and a half uh, rush yards over for Najee Harris. But man, I was sweating when he finished with 56. I was like, please don't lose a yard. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was the easiest bet ever because in his last two games against the Brown, Browns, he was 188 rush yards and 98 rush yards. But then he got 56. So he barely hit it. Yeah. But I was like, I was surprised that line was that low. But it ended up being a good line, actually. Right. You know what I didn't appreciate was was week one that that first Thursday night football game was a Chargers game. So that meant here in Southern California, you put it on TV. And I think it may have been on Channel 2 or something like that you could watch it on tv yeah thursday night i'm going out and and the game was nowhere again a lot of these restaurants a lot of these sports bars don't have amazon prime and they got to figure it out because again if if it's a okay so maybe maybe not the game last night but if it's (laughs) but if it's but if it's cowboys uh, you know chicago bears or something like that people are going to want to watch that game so slowly but surely we're all like learning how to watch these games but yeah, I, I forgot about that because, again, when you turned on the TV last week when, when it was a Chargers game, again, I forgot what channel, two or four or something, you could watch it. Not the case last night. No, yeah, and I, I think it's also no offense to your steel, to the Steelers that you're uh, kind of bandwagoning <laughs> to, but the first two Thursday night games are Bills, Bills Rams, and then Chargers right. Chiefs, and then you have Steelers Browns, and it's like... No one wants to watch a no offense game like that, you know, like obviously two good running backs, Nick Chubb, Najee Harris, but 
what is the NFL doing? Either the Thursday night game is the best game of the week or it's the worst game of the week. There's kind of yeah, no in between, yeah. right? Yeah, and in a couple of weeks, we get Commanders-Bears. I can't wait for so that. Thursday night? Go. Yeah, that, terrible, might, that terrible. might get ten only 10 million viewers yeah. at most. I thought you were going like, to say 10. 10, <laughs> 10 viewers, 10 maybe 10 viewers. Up. All right, let's get to today's headlines brought to you by the Sporting Tribune. The Sporting Tribune is your go-to destination for the best coverage of your favorite teams in Southern California, Las Vegas, and Hawaii. No paywalls, no ads, no autoplay videos, just your teams and a clean reading experience. Visit thesportingtribune.com today. Hit it, Buckets. All right, guys. The biggest story in sports right now, the Boston Celtics suspended coach Ime Udoka for the entire 2022-2023 season, and the team announced Thursday night amidst more details of Yudoka's intimate relationship with a female member of the franchise's staff. What are your thoughts on the situation? You know, we thought that this would play out like this, that there was no scenario where he was just going to get a half a game, sus- I mean, sorry, half a season suspension. I mean, the the headlines and the attention that that would have caused, there was no chance that was going to happen. So in my mind, it was always a one season suspension, perhaps even a one year suspension. But I don't know if there's a pathway for him to return. I think what we're seeing here is more is going to leak out. And while I'm talking, Buckets, if you could bring up the Shams report, because I think if what Shams reported, and again, this wasn't a headline, but this is really, I'm going to focus in on this, because if this turns into from consensual to not consensual, there is no pathway, A, for him to come back to the Celtics. There may not be a pathway for him to come back to the, the league again. So... Yesterday, Shams released a, a new story, as you mentioned, Arash. A lot of the story was basically the same stuff being yeah. regurgitated. There was this one blurb right here that was that was different and, like you mentioned, kind of added more context to the situation. Quote, Some members of the Celtics organization first became aware of the relationship in July, sources said. At that time, leadership was led to believe by both parties that the relationship was consensual. But sources said that the woman recently accused Yudoka of making unwanted comments towards her, leading the team to launch a set of internal interviews. That changes everything. That one line, and again, there was maybe there's a reason Shams put it where he did. I mean, that's the the headline. I mean, that, that changes the entire course of the conversation because like up until that point and really that's the only place I've read that um, that changes everything because if it's no longer consensual if it got to the point if it's so contentious that they had to launch an internal investigation one that led them to suspend one of the best coaches in the league for an entire season and now reports are beginning to come out that he may resign um I think it's inevitable. This changes everything. I think he's he will resign yeah. at this point. Um, you know whether those allegations prove to be true or not, or it's or it's you know just the situation uh, ensuing. It doesn't matter. What he did was super unprofessional. We talked yeah. about it yesterday. You just don't do that. You don't do that. I, I you know I had the analogy of a law firm, right? If if a lawyer wanted wants to date a paralegal, right, then the paralegal will have to quit, right? That's yeah. just how it goes. You can't mix business with relationships. I mean, this is like. <sighs> And when you play for a, or a storied organization like the Boston Celtics, where there's a microscope on you at all times, it's like Adoka should have known that, that you know, you, 
why are you putting yourself in a compromising yeah. position? So at the same time, whether people people are like, oh, they should have kept it under wraps, under the table, and not let it go out and stuff like that, and you know other- that one line from Shams though changed everything. Yes, because exactly. I do believe if it was consensual, they go on their way, uh, right? So something happens. The moment it doesn't. And not only that, the moment it gets yeah. to a point where the team has to launch an internal uh, third-party investigation, party investigation yeah. that changes well, everything. Well, either way, yeah. even if it was consensual, it's still unprofessional. 100%. You know? And you deserve the year suspension. So, just for clarification, Chris Haynes did report yesterday that Yudoka is not planning to resign. Okay. So, that's important information. That could change. We don't know. 100%. And here's where that could change. He's not planning to resign right now. Yeah. Sometimes things get to a point where there's no pathway for you to come back. So in lieu of you getting fired, you just resign. And the the reason that you do that is a you you you, you don't you don't want to get fired. If if you see the writing on the wall that you're about to get fired, listen. In in the best uh, you know like out of respect for all parties involved, I'm gonna step down. The other thing that enables him to do is he can just like leave for a while. And sometimes when you're in a situation like this, he's still technically, when I say the head coach of the Celtics, he is technically the head coach of the Celtics who is suspended for this season with the idea being he could come back I really don't foresee a scenario where he's going to come back I really can't see I it I still think it's uh, I still think it's mind-boggling to me and I know it's two separate leagues but the that Adoka is out for a year right for misconduct yeah. and then Watson in the NFL and it's completely it's a player right well, here's why it's different we really don't know again we're beginning to leak I mean the reason that the Shams things change things yeah. is that if 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 we were just led to believe or if th- if this was just a consensual relationship with two people that that would be one thing yes it's not a professional relationship but where yeah. it changes things if it wasn't consensual or if it maybe obviously began consensual and then turned not so much. But again, something led to the team having a third party coming Internal. in, a law firm, yeah. saying we're going to investigate this. And the result of that investigation is you are suspended for an entire season. That's massive. 100%. But I mean, I just think it's 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 mind-boggling to me that Watson didn't get like a full year, two years, three years, four years. I mean, thir- there was like 50 women. I know that like, they only confirmed five, like misconduct yeah. and whatnot. But I mean, I-, I just think it's crazy. It's just It shows how different the leagues work versus a player versus a coach. If this was a player in the NBA, would it be handled differently? You know, I mean, it, it kind of makes you think about that, yeah. right? Yeah. The whole reporting on this whole situation has been so vague, and I know why, because they, they want to get their, their ducks in a row before so they don't face any type of lawsuits in the future. But like, for example, Richard Jefferson tweets out yesterday, first he tweets out, when you guys find out the truth, dot, 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 with the eye emojis, which mm. is always suspicious. And then he followed it up with the Mean Girls gif, like a gossiping type of thing. The next one he says, ask yourself, if it's consensual, then why is it, why the suspension and the length? And then he says one more. So once you understand it's 100% consensual from both parties, why is there such a long suspension? I repeat, 100% consensual. So everybody's kind of like dancing around, wanting to yeah. say 
saying something Listen, more. Listen, we all have heard different rumors, and obviously he's very connected. The league is one thing. It is a kind of a small town. It is a small community. Um, you know, like I've often joked, I mean, there's a lot of coaches, not a lot, but I mean, there's a, there's at least a, a handful of coaches that if you just look at what they've done on the court, should have gotten another chance. Mark Jackson, for example, it's a small league. Certain things happen. Certain people are like, no, 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 don't hire that guy. People kind of know or have heard what happened here. And the reason that that he framed it in such a way is that if it was just what it was originally reported, if it was just a consensual relationship with two adults that are, are no longer seeing each other, like, you know, this got out. They were told don't see each other. They moved on. A, this probably does not get leaked. For sure, there's not an investigation. And for darn sure, there's not a one-season suspension. There's more there. And again, we're, we're beginning to find that out. But when that happens, then it's like, okay, I, what's the pathway for well, him to come back? Not only this, then all the speculation about which staffer it was. And that well, that's poor, why it's not that, fair. That, and then that poor yeah. woman getting just like with her family getting... You know, just scolding on Twitter yeah. and something she didn't even do is just like, oh man. That's why this was such a hard story to report on because, again, generally with a team, uh, and this is unfortunate, there's not that many female staffers. So you could basically say, okay, it's a female staffer, and maybe there's, you know, six people that you can target. Yeah. Well, that's a very uncomfortable situation for those six or seven or whatnot. Um, so we will, you know, you know, the names will come out. The details will come out. I mean, again, I mean, people are talking about it. I mean, the number of texts going around, the number of people talking around the league. Again, as we begin training camp next week and media days and things like that, uh, it's 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 just a, a very unfortunate situation. And again, I don't see a pathway to a comeback, at least not with the Celtics. Yeah, I, really quick, I want to touch on that because, first of all, Woj just reported that if he was to be let go, that other teams are ready to of basically pounce. And not only that, I was looking up the history of some other coaches because my memory was a little foggy, but Mike Budenholzer, he was arrested for a DUI in 2013. and. Later on, three years later, he was found not guilty, oh, but I don't think he faced any sort of this kind of discipline from the league for that. Jason Kidd has a history of domestic oh, sure. violence, which again, that was 2001, but yeah. like there there has been some sort of... Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups, was a, Billups was that was story what about, I was yeah. thinking. Right? Recently. Yeah, yeah. Sure. recently. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and it really goes to how talented you are. And by the way, this is with a player too. You know, you're talking about Deshaun Watson. That still to this day is crazy to me that 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 worked out the way it did for him. But if you're talented and you're talking about one of the best young coaches in the league, two wins away from winning a championship with the Celtics, there's no doubt about it. He It won't happen now, but I can foresee a situation where conversations are being had right now behind closed doors, behind the scenes and things like that, where he resigns. The Celtics are perfectly fine with that, and he's coaching somewhere else next season. Now, last last thing on this. 
Brandon and I were really young when this happened, but what was it like to be present when Jeannie and Phil had so, their... So, uh, I know people have made that example. There's a variety of reasons why that's not the same. Jeannie Buss, at that point in time, uh, was heading business operations for the Lakers. Same team, they don't really cross paths. Generally speaking, the head of business ops and the head coach of the team would not confer, would not talk. Um, of course, she's the daughter of the man who owns the team so that's that's really the most unique part about it from day one of the relationship Jeannie came forward to her father and said here's where we're at and so it, it, it has to be above board and so from the beginning of that relationship they were very public about it but where it would not have worked is if Jeannie was the GM of the team or head of basketball ops or uh, uh, what makes this even worse kind of is is that this person was below him in the like organizational chart whether it was an assistant coach or whether it was something like that you can't have that happen so the genie thing is in my mind totally different I get people want to make that comparison but it's not the it's not the same it was very unique but it was more unique because her father was his boss. That was the weird one. Yeah, understood. Well, speaking of the Lakers, the ESPN Top yeah. 100 list oh, came yeah. out. Awful list. We know that that list is typically used to stir up a little bit of controversy. The two Lakers on the list, Anthony Davis, actually Russell Westbrook was on it as well, but let's get to Anthony <laughs> Davis, who was ranked 20th, and LeBron James, who was ranked 6th. What do you guys think of those two rankings and what do you make of the list in general? So I'll go quickly. Le LeBron James, if he's healthy, if he's right, is still a top five player. There's no doubt about that. You could definitely make the argument that he's could be the, the best player in the league, but, you know, definitely top five. And then Anthony Davis. I mean, if we're forgetting what he did just two years ago in the bubble in Orlando when he was healthy, when he was so clearly a top five player, I don't see how you can possibly not have him in the top 10, certainly not in the top 15. But Brandon, you got the numbers. I mean, the, per, the perspective of the NBA by by these people writing for ESPN, it's it's kind of ridiculous because if you think about it, they have all these offensive players like Trey Young, Bradley Beal, like all ahead of them. Right, even Rudy Gobert is ahead of Anthony Davis, and that guy can't do anything in the playoffs. We all know that. We've seen Rudy Gobert. Like the numbers add up. Yeah, in the regular season, what does he do in the postseason? He's a rock. He doesn't do anything. He just stands there. Right. Anthony Davis being twentieth, regardless of his injuries. I mean, if you value defense, he's a top ten player. Yeah. At worst, eleventh. At worst, if you want to value, you know, John Morant, Tatum, Doncic, like all those guys being ahead of him. At worst, Anthony Davis is the eleventh yeah. best player in the NBA. You have him at 20th. This guy's the best defender in the league, two-way, besides Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? Right? Yeah. So, I mean, to me, that's ridiculous. And LeBron at 6, like I mentioned, true shooting percentage against top five defenses, highest in the league for his usage percentage, 67%, 33 points per game against top five defenses, 67% true shooting percentage against top five defenses. I mean, the guy was the best player in the NBA against the best of the best last year. Giannis, in comparison, was like 23 points per game with a 58% true shooting percentage, which is good. But LeBron was the best player in the NBA when it mattered last year. And I know he gets a lot of flack because of his team, but that's ridiculous. And then Kevin Durant at eight, seems a little low, no? 
Yeah, KD at eight. That's a great point, Brandon. It did strike me as being a little low. The Davis thing. By the way, they just went so off of what happened a year ago. And like, Kawhi I mean, at twelve. Let's let's use the past two years. I mean, so like if you combine the past two years, like I, there's no way this list is is right. And by the way, yeah, you're 100 percent right. I'm not say. I mean, Kawhi should be in the top. And if he's healthy, I mean, the fact that the Clippers don't have, I mean, they're thought to be the championship favorites or one of the top teams. They, they don't have a player that, like in the top 10. Who, Kawhi's, Kawhi's 11. Yeah, but, but this is, but like, yes, I agree 12. with you. And PG 15, PG's like the yeah. most underrated player in the yeah. league. Him and Kawhi should be both at least top, top 12. That's crazy. Right? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. The Davis thing, I mean, you mentioned it, Brandon, but having guys like Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert in front of him, that's kind of nonsense. I mean, guys like Trey Young who don't play defense ahead I, of him. Is I ridiculous. like Trey Young, but yeah, yeah, but he doesn't play defense. Armand, value both ends of the court. I, I love <laughs> Trey Young's offensive game, but if you say Davis is better than him, there's obviously a huge. And then James Harden at eleven. Yeah, it, the list, and this is the problem with the list in general is that they do this intentionally because oh, they sure. want to stir up. Well, they the they want to have happen what we're doing now. Yeah. They want it to be talked about on shows around the country, and it's on the front page of ESPN.com, the most trafficked website. So it's like, oh, you know, it's highly debatable, but it becomes infinitely more when you do things like this. When you say, wait, like, let's let's not have LeBron in the top five. Let's have him number six, and let's have Anthony Davis, like, 25, which is crazy when you just, if these guys are, like, if Kevin Durant's healthy... In what scenario is he now one of the top five players in the world? It's ridiculous. That at eight, and then Carl. An- I'm sorry to keep <laughs> mentioning this name, but how is he 13th? How? What has he done to prove that he is better than the likes of Paul George, Anthony Davis, the guys that they had under him? I think Jimmy Butler was underneath him, which is ridiculous. And I know Jimmy's gonna use that as fuel, but <laughs> it's, it's it's I I don't know. Yeah, it's I mean it, listen. It did what it was supposed to do. It accomplished its goal. We're talking about it. People around the country are going to be talking about it. Still, it's too short-sighted. Think about the last two years, the last couple of years. You know, anyways, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by our good friend Michael Duarte. When we return on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports with two ways to win and no rake. Circuit Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circus Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com for details. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clam when the underground, when 
we come around. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii and every Friday on the Sports Map Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or a comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's go out to the Sporting Tribune guest hotline right now. The Sporting Tribune is your go-to destination for the best coverage of your favorite teams in Southern California, Las Vegas, and Hawaii. No paywalls, no ads, no autoplay videos, just your teams and a clean reading experience. Go to thesportingtribune.com today, and here he is, the man behind the scenes of TST, our good friend Michael Duarte. Michael, how are you? Rush, I'm good. I like that TST plug. That was very good. Gotta do it. Everybody go check out the TST website. Got to do it. I mean, the only way that we get stories on uh, the site is Michael Duarte teaching the young <laughs> folks out there, like Brandon Deutsch, how to put their stories in on the website. Uh, listen, Michael, a lot to get to. Let's start with the Dodgers. No one does a better job covering the Dodgers than you do. You are in the clubhouse. You take us behind the scenes with you. This team is cruising. They are rolling your thoughts. By the way, some issues with the closer position still. I wanted to let it go. Craig Kimbrell will not allow me to. Rosh, I'm going to start calling you Elsa because it is time to let it go. <laughs> and in this case, it might be time to let Craig Kimbrell go from his longtime role uh, as a closer. And then specifically in this case, as the closer for the Dodgers. Look, uh, there was a stretch run there for about 10 games or so after Craig Kimbrell changed his music to Disney's Frozen Let It Go, which, by the way, the Dodgers now have graphics for. Um, I, I put that up on my, my Twitter if anyone has seen it. Like, the whole stadium gets into it now. Like, Dodgers have finally followed up with uh, with all the, the cool effects they would need to do uh, for the new Frozen entrance music. But uh, he did have a good stretch there when he first changed the music, didn't allow a run for about uh, 10 games or so. I thought that, that was the turning point, Michael. I thought, I thought that was the, the, the song. We all did. We all did. We <laughs> thought like we, he got out of his head. Yeah. He just was, you know, gripping and ripping it as they say in baseball pitching terms. Uh, and something definitely changed. But once again, what has been his downfall all season in games is his, uh, location. If he cannot locate his, his off speed pitches, uh, in the case yesterday was a great example. He hit the leadoff guy with an off-speed pitch. Uh, and as Dave Roberts said after the game, you just can't do that. Go out there, throw strikes, make him put the ball in play, whatever you need to do. You don't hit the leadoff guy putting yourself in danger right off the bat. Now, Dodgers got bailed out. Like last night's game uh, obviously had more curves than a roller coaster to it. But last night's game, in particularly that stolen base attempt in that ninth inning, uh, off of Craig Kimbrell that ended up being called safe and then reviewed the Dodgers challenge it. It gets reviewed. It's overturned. The runner is out. And then suddenly, boom, Christian Walker hits a home run, which would have been a two-run home run uh, had the Dodgers not had that call overturned in their favor. And then we're looking at a wholly different, totally different game in the bottom of the ninth. But, of course, uh, he is thrown out. The home run's just a solo shot by Kimbrell. He allows a walk to the next guy. So, again, we're talking about his location and accuracy. And, obviously, the Dodgers come back and win it in the bottom of the ninth uh, with a Mookie Betts pinch hit walk-off, uh, his first walk-off hit as a Los Angeles Dodger. So that's also something he can add uh, to his belt, a notch to his belt. But after the game, Dave Roberts was saying, he needs to look more closely at the closer position. 
Um, this is the most critical I've heard him in a post-game scenario, Arash, about Craig Kimbrell. 100%. It really seems like, uh, to use another frozen pun, that Craig Kimbrell is skating on thin ice, <laughs> so to speak. And um, I, I, the question that I had with, with many reporters after the game, and I would ask you and Brandon and everybody and Armani, is who do you replace him with, though? Uh, Blake Trinan would be an obvious choice if Blake Trinan uh, wasn't probably never going to pitch the rest of the season dealing with his arm issues because he refused to get surgery earlier in the year. Uh, he's out. Evan Phillips is definitely a candidate that, that social media wants. He's probably uh, beyond, a, beyond a shadow of a doubt your best reliever in the bullpen. But his role, as we've talked about, at many times this year, is to be the fireman. He is summoned when you are in the most trouble. Last night was a great example. Julio Rios put two guys on uh, in the fifth inning, and Evan Phillips comes in and takes care of, puts out the fire. That's been his role all season long. The Dodgers are comfortable in that role, and you're going to need someone in that role in the postseason. It's not just the ninth inning we're talking about. It is the most pressure-packed, high-leverage situation in the game that Evan Phillips comes in as the fireman to save the day. So if that's his role, then you can't just move him out of that role to closer because I don't know who you'd put in that role. So maybe closer by committee, but right now they're getting pieces back. They're trying to figure out who's going to be healthy for the stretch run. I just don't know uh, if it makes sense to pull Craig Kimball from the closer role, but definitely if this is a tie game or a one-run game late in the game, uh, I think the Dodgers are realizing Kimball is not the guy that we need to put in those situations moving forward. Michael, I wanted to ask you about the NL MVP. I think the AL MVP is at this point going to be unanimous, um, especially if Judge continues to hit home runs. Shohei hasn't been that great at the plate. NL MVP might also be close to unanimous, but Mookie Betts is, uh, you know, I know Paul Goldschmidt's the obvious favorite with his OPS, you know, his average, maybe going to get the triple crown. But Mookie Betts is on the best team in the National League. He's their best player when it matters. Uh, you can make the argument Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman both have an argument for the NL MVP, but Mookie Betts, it seems like the team goes uh, as Mookie goes. No? Yeah, I saw your tweet, Brandon, obviously, <laughs> um, and I saw the TST promote that tweet, and that is the question. Is, is Mookie Betts making a late MVP push? I don't think it's a late push. I think he's been making this case throughout the season um, that he's an MVP candidate. The problem with the Dodgers having any odds or chances to take home the NL MVP this year is they have three candidates that are all, arguably all in the top five, right? So in this case, they're going to be taking votes away from each other as far as the, the MLB Baseball Writers Association who votes for this award. Um, I do not get a vote this year, but um, you know, I'd probably pick one of those three, and I would probably personally pick Freddie Freeman. That's my Dodgers MVP. But you can arguably make a case for Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, and Mookie Betts along with Paul Goldschmidt and probably Manny Machado, maybe some outside fringe votes for Austin Riley and Nolan Arenado. But to me, the NL MVP, and it is a landslide, in my opinion, is Paul Goldschmidt. Um, like you said, he may end up be being in that triple crown conversation, which is exactly where Aaron Judge is right now and why Aaron Judge is in a position outside of the fact that he's going to break the American League home run record. But he's in a position, obviously, to, to take home a triple crown uh, and do a lot of good things here. So, yeah, Paul Goldschmidt, you know, I think Freddie Freeman's going to end up beating him for the batting title, so I don't think he ends up taking home the, to the Triple Crown. But if you just look at the stats, Paul Goldschmidt's top five in almost every single National League MVP stat, whereas a guy like Mookie Betts, who you're talking about, same thing with Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, 
they're tops in, in many categories, in Freeman batting average and hits, uh, in Trey Turner RBIs, in Mookie Betts uh, home runs and runs scored. Uh, he's going to finish in the top in the National League in those categories. But Paul Goldschmidt, you'll find, is going to be top five in every single National League category. And I just think he ends up taking it home. I think the Dodgers end up splitting the votes, and that's why uh, it's tough to give it to one of them. Yeah, and Michael, I wanted to ask now, switch gears to the Rams this weekend. They have a big matchup against the Cardinals, divisional matchup. Cardinals should really be 0-2. I don't really think they're that great of a team, but they always play the Rams tough. They beat the Raiders, they came back, and they're at home against the Rams who have a whole slew of issues, almost blew that 28-3 lead. I was telling Arash the Falcons got PTSD and almost tried to come <laughs> back, switch that, switch the narrative 28-3. Um, but they did win that game. Cup obviously looks good. The offensive line has questions. What do the Rams need to do to beat Arizona at home when we know the last time they played in Arizona, they beat the crap out of them? We all know that, right? So Arizona might be mad. They might want revenge. Yeah, but, you know, it seems like the Rams seemingly every year play well uh, in Arizona there. at, at um, I don't even know what they're calling the big toaster there in Glendale anymore. State Farm Stadium, something like I that. I think but it was, right? It, it, was, well, it yeah. was the University of Phoenix, you know, but then it changed, yeah. right? Yeah, it was that. Yeah, I think it's State Farm we're, Stadium we're now. We're going to have to figure out the name. It's the home of the Super Bowl this year. Or exactly. We all got to be there. <laughs> That's so, right. Yeah, but, in 100 but, degree but, weather in February. Look, yeah. I call it the big toaster because it looks like a giant right. toaster to me every time I buy it out there in Glendale. But... Um, State they Farm Stadium, put, real quick. I'm sorry. State all right, Farm we got that. Yeah. State Farm Stadium. Let's go out to State Farm Stadium. We're like a good neighbor. That's right. State Farm Stadium is there. And is that why that's Chris Paul's? Is that why Chris Paul's the, on the Jake from State Farm commercials? He plays for correct, Phoenix because he's out there right next to that stadium. But that's the point, right? Like you know, that that's a great that's a great one liner I could steal and use, right? Because you got it. Like a good neighbor. State Farm Stadium is there for the Rams. They always play well there. Uh, and I think this this road trip is coming at a good time for the Rams because clearly playing at home at SoFi in their first two games has not necessarily been a good thing. Obviously, they, they went up 28-3, to as you just mentioned, on the Falcons in that game. But then I watched them cough it back up with turnovers. With, with, with one interception I thought was just a great play by the defender on Matthew Stafford and another one early in the game in the second and the end of the first half was just atrocious interception in my opinion. And then, uh, you know, having your punt blocked and return for a touchdown that can't happen. Uh, Cooper cup fumbling on third and four after picking up the first down. This is, you know, arguably the best receiver in all the NFL that can't happen. Uh, you gave, it wasn't the Falcons came back and kind of took this from you and got back in the game. a la what the Patriots did in that Super Bowl that we are alluding to. No, the, the, the Rams basically opened the door wide open and let the Falcons come barging in. I needed a Jalen Ramsey interception to save them because they were in deep, deep hot water. So, but to answer your question, I think going on the road, being battle-tested on the road by a division opponent for the first time is going to be good. But again, we talked about this previously looking at the schedule. No DeAndre Hopkins for the Cardinals. A little bit struggling. Obviously, they did make that comeback against the Raiders, but in their first two games, the Cardinals have not showed me anything uh, that they are, you know, the best team in the West, like they were for 80% of the season last year. So I think the Rams go in. I think the Rams beat them. And I think the Rams right the ship. The one good thing I'll say about what happened last week uh, in that uh, implosion to let the Falcons back in the game is all the mistakes I just mentioned. They all seem like very correctable mistakes, including uh, letting a guy come straight down and block a punt. Uh, once you look at that, once you look at that on tape, you can see who missed the blocking assignment and get those things corrected and fixed. You can get the turnovers corrected and fixed. So 
those things I think get cleaned up, and I think uh, the Rams come out of Arizona, come out of State Farm Stadium, That's right, with a W. Michael Corvallis, always a trap city, trap game for USC. That's where they're headed uh, this weekend on Saturday. It was a very unique situation because normally lines don't shift this much. USC began the week or began uh, Sunday as 14-point favorites at Caesars. A a ton of people, whether you went to USC or just a Pac-12 fan, pounced on that line. That line has dropped all the way down to five. Uh, Again, the, the thought process being this is either a trap game USC will lose or at the very at the very least be a close game your thoughts on Saturday's game USC going up to Corvallis yes I am so glad you brought up our Trojans Arash because they definitely seem to be back they are ranked in the top 10 Uh, finally they get a primetime night game last Saturday against Fresno State conjuring images and flashbacks of Reggie Bush rushing and running yep. for over 500 total yards back in the day. Uh, and that unbelievable move where he stops on a dime on the left half mark, hash mark, turns upfield, goes to the complete other sideline. Oh, my gosh, I love that play. I love that highlight. So <laughs> that brought up games. But I was I brought that up because USC, the college team was probably, I'll be honest with you, Rush, uh, as packed and as loud and as excited I've seen it since that era yeah. for that game. Uh, you know, it wasn't a... 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock noon game in 105-degree heat. Uh, it was a cool, nice, breezy night game. They had the uh, lights-out theme. Uh, they came out. Some of those images, I don't know if you saw the images that USC football tweeted out, but the images with the flames coming out of the tunnel, oh, my gosh, uh, with the fog and the, and the fog machine in the background, it was awesome. But to your point, this is a scary place to play. Corvallis, uh, back in those heydays that we talked about, the Pete Carroll era, they always used to, you never know what would happen. A couple upsets uh, yeah. in that era and a couple times where you were, you know, biting your teeth tooth and nails to see what happens. Now, Oregon State is also 3-0. and They've had a great start to the season. They are not to be slept on. But our Oregon State's second opponent was Fresno State, uh, a team that USC just played and beat soundly 45-17. to So for me, that is what you look like. That is what you look at, in my opinion. Oregon State squeaked out of victory. Now, again, Corvallis is a tough place to play. What USC needs to do is what they've been doing all year long. If they win the toss, give us the ball. Don't defer. Don't decide. Give us the ball. Put the ball in Caleb Williams' hands, Jordan Addison's hands, uh, Jerry Rice Jr.'s hands, I like to call Brandon Rice, uh, and go down, march down the field and put up points. And if you can jump on the, these this Oregon State team, if you're up 21 nothing or 21-7 or something like that at the end of the first quarter or somewhere in the second quarter, that is how you put the Beavers to bed. That is how you close up the dam for the, for the Oregon State team. So that's what I would like to see USC do what they've been doing. Uh, go put up points early and often and put the game away uh, so we don't have a scary situation where they might have to rally or come back late. Uh, and then and right now for me, uh, Arash, I am expecting a win from this team. You're right. The line did drop from 14 to six, which is interesting. You don't really see that. So that tells me maybe uh, a lot of people were, were betting the, 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 the Beavers, excuse me, uh, on this line. That's why it dropped so much, which is surprising. But, you know, so I think USC comes and pulls it out. And I think we're all looking at that matchup coming up in two weeks now against Utah as the big game on the calendar you circle, that's going to be the toughest test of the season for USC and arguably, uh, in my opinion, 
if they lose that game, there goes their shot at the college football playoff. But if they yeah. win that game, I think they catapult themselves into the conversation because the teams ahead of them, uh, some of them, especially in the Big Ten, Michigan and Ohio State, I'm looking at you, they're going to have to play each other at some point. Uh, Georgia, Alabama, those kind of teams will be playing each other, allowing USC, if, if they do run the table, to, to move up potentially. And, and Michael, I just wanted to add on here. Do you think Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman? You know, I think if, if USC does end up running the table, like I said, if they can beat Utah uh, and they are in the college football playoff, uh, yes, I think he wins the Heisman in that scenario. If they lose to Utah, if they lose to Oregon State this week, if they lose two games this season, I think a guy who should be in the Heisman conversation, who should be in that room in New York City, uh, you know, out of the top final five or the final three, depending on who they would send there, uh, he should be there in, the, in that situation. Because right now, to me, I think he's the second favorite behind Bryce Young of Alabama. But if if Alabama ends up, you know, winning the championship again or, or making the college football playoff and Bryce Young, you know, even has anywhere close to the year he had last year, uh, he's probably going to win the Heisman. So it's one of those things where is Caleb Williams deserving of it? Yeah. Is he going to have the stats and the numbers at the end of the year? Yes. Uh, but only if USC can run the table and put themselves back in a position where they're playing for a national championship, do I think Caleb Williams would win it? Uh, next week, Michael, Monday, Lakers Media Day. I mean, normally a um, lot of excitement about that, but this one in particular, because what is going to be the situation with Russell Westbrook? Will he be on the team by Monday? He probably will be, but, you know, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, and then that's the beginning of training camp, the beginning of preseason. Michael, your thoughts on the Lakers in next week's big media day. Yeah, you know, Lakers are now the land of point guards, right? Uh, Dennis Schroeder was signed since the last time we talked. Our old friend Dennis Schroeder, who I was happy to see go uh, from the 2021 team, is now back on the Lakers roster in addition to Pat Beverly, in addition to Kendrick Nunn, in addition to Russell Westbrook. That's now four point guards on your roster, not including LeBron James, who always needs the ball in his hand and operates as a point guard <laughs> and led the league in assists uh, the year they won the championship from the point guard position. So, uh, you know, I, I tweeted out that Oprah meme, you get a point guard, you get a point guard. Everybody <laughs> on the Lakers roster now has has a point guard uh, for every team they have. This would uh, lead me to believe at some point Russell Westbrook won't be there, as Brandon and I have been talking about for, for ad nauseum for you know months now. But again, now you hear the reports that exactly what we thought. They would not pull the trigger on any Indiana Pacer deal that involved them sending two first-round picks back. One, maybe, yeah. but two, no. Uh, and it seems like they're standing firm on that. So it seems like Russell Westbrook's not going anywhere. Uh, he might, with the addition of Schroeder and Pat Bev, now he might come off the bench. Knowing him, he's not going to want to do that or do that. Then you got his wife sending out those cryptic tweets. I don't know if you saw that, Arash. She sent out a tweet about, you know, you can buy a bottle of water for $1 at the grocery <laughs> store. It's $3 at the gym, $5 at the airport, $10 at an amusement park. So the same water just has different value based on geographic location. I think that was a nod to the fact that Russell Westbrook would have more value uh, on a team like the Utah Jazz, where he could average 25, 15, and 15 on a team that finishes 11th or 12th in the Western Conference. And so 
I, I, at some point, I don't think Russell Westbrook is long for this team, but I would like to have, uh, I will be there on Monday, Arash. I hope you'll be there too. And I will be definitely asking questions to, to Rob Palenka and others, including Darvin Ham, to find out, you know, just what is this team with all these point guards going to look like on the floor this season and, and how are you going to get Russell Westbrook to buy into being a corner three shooter who doesn't have the ball in his hands uh, and is acting more like a two guard. Exactly. Anyway, that's what I think. It'll be interesting. I will uh, see you there, Michael. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again on Monday. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.